0: A few years ago, right after we visited with the Pastoral Nominating Committee here at Trinity, as it happens, we got back to to New Mexico. And uh, I had a medical experience that I'm glad hasn't happened since. That particular day, I started to feel pretty dizzy. I'd take a step and the whole whole world, or the room, seemed to spin around me, even just moving my head a little bit, and the whole world seemed to go all kilter. Fortunately, at that time, Ilana was home, (laughs) since I wasn't going to drive to the doctor on my own, being that out of it, if even turning my head a little bit caused the world to spin. I couldn't imagine going around a corner in the car. And she drove me to the doctor. We lived in a small village in New Mexico, and our nearest medical provider was a clinic that was 45 minutes away, by car, by car. In the nearest urgent care and hospital, they were another 45 minutes beyond that. Unless it was a Wednesday. On Wednesday, a nurse practitioner came to town to handle any medical things that might have gone on in the previous week. However, I never got sick on Wednesdays. It always felt like this was the wrong time for this to happen. Sometimes things just don't work out. In any case, the nearer clinic was closed this day. So we ended up having to drive 90 minutes to Albuquerque to the urgent care. There we were able to see a doctor relatively quickly, and I found out I was experiencing vertigo, which many of you probably already figured out as a symptom of labyrinthitis. We got a prescription for something that was supposed to help with the vertigo, and we're headed back to the car when Ilana noticed what the prescription was for. Meclizine, a drug name I'd never heard of, but turns out it's the active ingredient in Dramamine, a motion sickness drug. Ilana had Dramamine in her purse the entire time. <laughs> if we had but known, we could have saved a long trip to Albuquerque and back. Don't worry, next time will be easy, Ilana said. There hasn't been a next time, fortunately, but that phrase stuck with me. Don't worry, it'll be easy. And our story from Second Kings today, it's the phrase that lies beneath some of the humor of the story. Naaman, although his name would have been pronounced Naaman, I'm going to say Naaman for general reasons. Naaman, a general of Haram, he's worried about his skin condition. A Hebrew slave tells him essentially, don't worry, it's easy. There's a prophet in Samaria that will help. So, does he go to Samaria to see the prophet? Nope. He makes it harder on himself, going to Damascus, asking his king for help. The king of Aram decides that it's worth it to help Naaman, and he sends a letter along with an incredible amount of wealth. This is about 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and, of course, 10 changes of clothes. Now, those metals alone are worth about $15 million in today's money. I have no idea how much the clothes are worth, but I assume it's not going to be in that same ballpark. The king of Israel receives the Aramean king's note, and he panics. Here's $15 million. Now cure my general of his skin disease. That's a big deal to be getting a note like that when you had no idea this was coming, no idea that there was a prophet in your your land or the land next door that might be able to help something, help with something. So the king of Israel, he worries himself into a panic. He tears his clothing in two, which is an ancient sign of anguish. He's not just being frivolous and ripping clothing back and forth. Who does the king of Aram think I am? God, I can't cure skin conditions. But Elisha the prophet hears that the king is worried and sends a message, don't worry, it's easy. Just send him to me. So General Naaman packs up the silver and gold, and hopefully leaves a set of clothing for the king who ripped his, heads over to Elisha's place. Naaman's traveling with an entourage who are probably hoping to see some amazing, miraculous cure. Maybe smoke, and chanting, and and flashes of lightning. After all, this Elisha is said to have taken the mantle of the prophet Elijah, who called down fire from the heavens itself. But when Naaman arrives, instead of greeting him with all the honor due a visiting dignitary, Elisha sends him a tweet, well, the ancient equivalent, saying, yo, Naaman, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Don't worry, it's easy. But Naaman, expecting a major deal to be made, after all, for 15 million bucks, he should get a show, he gets angry that Elisha won't meet with him directly. What in the world, he says, I have rivers back in Aram, beautiful rivers, much nicer than this Jordan River. Does Elisha think I've never taken a bath? How dare he? Come meet me face to face. <clears throat> but of course, Elisha doesn't come out. Perhaps Elisha's making a point about humility. You came to me asking a favor, so listen when I tell you something. Also, maybe there's something special about this land of Israel and the Jordan River. Naaman is about to give everything up and walk off in a huff when his servants say, Don't worry, Naaman. You'd have done whatever Elisha said if it were hard, right? So it's easy. That's nothing to get upset over. At least try it. And this is the crux of the story. Naaman listens. This big-shot general from Aram heads off to the Jordan, probably grumbling the whole time, let's be honest here, where he dunks himself in the river seven times, and is cured. He comes back, tries to give money to Elisha, who refuses to take it, and so Naaman decides to worship God, the God of Israel. But the rest of that story is for another time. The goal that Naaman had been chasing, being restored to health, that goal was easily solved. All it took was listening. Listening to slaves? listening to kings, listening to prophets, listening. I suspect this is part of why Naaman was a successful general. Even when he got angry, he still knew enough to listen, to cool his ego when it was needed. And don't worry, it's easy to follow in Naaman's footsteps. Just listen, really listen to what God is telling you whether it's through the encouragement of friends or family, through prayer and meditation, through hearing the scriptures come alive with the word of God. Listen for God's voice in your world. But what about after you listen to God and follow in God's way? What's next? That's where the story of Jesus and the ten lepers is quite helpful. Now, we've moved about 800 years into the future with this story. And uh, things have changed in the world in lots of ways, what with the various empires coming through and conquering and reconquering and reconquering, from Assyria to Babylon to Macedon to Rome, and occupying the land that both Aram and Israel had been. Despite all these changes, there are still people with skin conditions. Luke tells us that when Jesus was traveling the border between Samaria and Galilee, he found not one man with a skin condition and also $15 million in gold and silver, but 10 poor outcasts who approached the traveling prophet. Now, an aside, uh, often these men, and Naaman for that matter, are described as having leprosy. But that's something of a misnomer today. The disease that we call leprosy today, technically called Hansen's disease, uh, is caused by bacteria in the skin. And because of that, we can actually track the DNA of these bacteria back and see when they have appeared in various regions. Uh, And following its spread in the historical record, we can find no trace of it in the Middle East until six centuries after Christ. So whatever disease they were talking about, it wasn't what we call leprosy today. And that's why more modern translations say skin disease rather than leprosy. But when the first English translations of the Bible were being made, leprosy had become a major European disease. And so the translators seem to have used a skin disease that people were familiar with as a catch-all term for skin conditions in general. In Leviticus, the Bible describes various skin conditions that would cause you to shout, unclean, unclean, as the men do in our story from Luke. And most of them are diseases that cause spots or scales on the skin rather than necrotic flesh. Still, these were men separated from their communities, and Jesus healed them, restoring them to clean skin and to fellowship. Jesus always, almost always, acts in ways that heal more than the body. Restoring people to wholeness of spirit, to wholeness in community, as much as wholeness of body. Jesus sends the men to their priests because it was the priests that could declare them clean and have them re-enter society. Don't worry, it's easy. By the time you get to the priest, you'll be healed. One man turns back to Jesus after being healed and says, thank you. To be fair, Jesus told them to go to the priests, and so they're listening, they're doing what they're told, they're going to the priests. This one man, though, he's got to be thinking, this is easy. And you know what else would be easy? Saying thank you. His thanks are genuine and are directly delaying his connection to family and friends for the means of connecting with God with Jesus. It's so important for him to offer thanks and praise. He's listened to Jesus. He's been restored to health through following Jesus' Jesus's instructions, and he offers thanks to God and Jesus for all that has been done. My friends, that's the pattern we ought to follow. And don't worry, it's easy. Listen for God's word. Follow God's call to change even if it seems too easy. Offer thanks and praise to God for all that God has done. Now, in the name of God, who calls you a beloved child, may you be blessed with healing. In the name of Jesus, who restores us to health and right relationship, may you be blessed with fellowship. In the name of the Spirit, who fills us with peace, love, and understanding, May you be blessed with an abundance to share. Amen.